welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Very, very good. Love our, uh, our team. Best team ever. Best team ever. I'm just going to turn this on and, um, yeah, thanks, Jesus. And uh, great job, Kylie. Yeah, great job, Mel and Hamish and Camille and team. Yeah, so good. Good to see you. Uh, we've had a yeah, amazing, even just then, um, our fourth week really on legacy um, and what it means to live in such a way that we're not just living for ourselves, but we're living for the Lord and knowing what he's like and that he's such a generational God that he's very much invested and involved on every generation and I love it that um, Jesus, when he came to the earth, he wasn't just thinking about the generation that he was in, that he, the word became flesh and dwelt among them for three and a half years. He did ministry, but he was there for 30 odd years. And at that time, that wasn't just the generation that he was thinking about. There was foresight. There was, I mean, before the foundations of the world, the Bible says the Lamb of God was crucified. Like there was a foreknowing. There was something that he had in his heart. The the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So there was this pain and, um, and, and crazy hard moment where he was sweating blood, didn't want to do it, asked the father three times, if, if there's another way, can we go with that option? I know we all agreed with this before the foundations of the world. I know the, 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 the spirit and the father and me, I know we agreed on this, like this was a locked in plan. But now that I laid down my humanity and I'm actually feeling all the feels, so to speak, I'm feeling all the physical pain and the emotional torment and knowing that I'm going to become sin, not just have it on me, but become it and not just experience pain, but become disease, but foresaw every disease that wasn't even on the earth and he became it on the cross. So on the cross is every disease and every sin, him becoming it. To the point that Isaiah 52, 14 says that his, his appearance was um, so disfigured, it was, it was marred beyond human likeness. So he didn't want to do it, which I love, but he did it. Because for the, for the joy that was set before him. And, and that's a generational joy. That's a long game joy. That's for every generation that would come after him, generation after generation after generation after generation, he saw and laid down his life for. What a God. And then, and then the, the Christian life is about looking to the one who made the whole thing up, Christ, the Christian life, the Christ-like life is about the Christ, the Son of the living God, because he came to show us what it's like to live in right relationship with the Father. He modelled what the believer that would come generation after generation could and would look like. Just modelling and demonstrating what the kingdom of God is like. 
it, it talks about like um, that there was a tipping point in history where the law and the prophets were proclaimed. I think it's Luke sixteen sixteen, but then it says that. But when when but the launch of John the Baptist preparing the way for Christ and then Jesus coming and then the presence falling, there was a, a new and living way. And Jesus came to reveal the new and living way. And I love that he thought about us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah. And I love the idea of legacy. I love the idea that, that even Paul said, like he's talking about gifts and he's talking about church and he's talking about the function of the body. And he goes, but there's a more excellent way and it's love. And if we dig down a little more into that Greek word love, there's obviously lots of Greek word loves, but this, this core God love, God is love. The word is agape and we know it, but there's there's just constant invitations to experience him as those things. Because we love an ice cream. Yeah, we love, we love playing golf. Well, we don't like Dylan beating me by 14 shots. <laughs> but we love lots of things. But this Greek word agape is deeper and bigger and wider. And it's a self-sacrificing, active love. It's a self-sacrifice. It's a, it's a selfless sacrificial, active love, where there's, there's a prize, there's people in mind, there's vision, there's a big picture, and love compels to go through things and dream for things and all the promises and everything that's been made available to grab a hold of so that people can encounter Jesus in this generation and generations to come. Agape, a selfless, active, sacrificial love. Jesus said in John 15, 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that fruit would remain. So he's not just interested in fruit that... that comes and grows and we partake now, but fruit that remains, that's lasting. And we've been asking over this last four weeks, like, what are we building? What are we preparing? What's God doing? And to actually shift our focus and our mindset, not just, not just for the generations to come, but it's a combination of building and preparing our lives, but, but absolutely keeping in mind the things of eternity and the generations to come. And, I'm, and I just, this phrase came to mind, but I thought this phrase, and it, it's, it's landed pretty well, and it makes sense, that if we would live for a generation that we would never see, then we will actually see in our lives things that are far beyond what we could ever dream of. Why? Because he is about legacy. He is about generations. He is about handing something over to the next generation. Legacy, something that remains from an earlier time. Something that is passed on. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are very much about legacy. Psalm 145.4, I love this. One generation will praise your works to another. So the things that, that were done in a generation, the Lord wants to continually do it and build on. 
and grow and grow and grow. That's why they did memorial stones. It's like the battles they conquered, they built a memorial for the next generation. This is what God did here and He wants to do it again. He wants to repeat it. He wants to imitate it. Jesus echoes that. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. What are we building? What are we preparing? What are we building that we can pass on to the next generation? What are we preparing and why? I love this other quote. A society grows great when old men plant trees in whose shade they shall never sit. A society grows great when old men plant trees in whose shade they shall never sit. We're like Christ when we're thinking of generations that we won't see. What are we building? What are we preparing? And how are we building? Is my water there? I want to look at Exodus. You'll get out of here by two. It's not really funny, is it? No. Uber Eats, delivery drivers show up. Um, Exodus 25.8, what are we building? What are we preparing? God's into building. He loves building. (laughs) (laughs) Exodus 25.8-22. Exodus 25.8-22. This is the Lord. Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern that I'll show you. Have the people make an ark of acacia wood, a sacred chest 45 inches long, 27 inches wide and 27 inches high. Overlay it, overlay it inside and outside with pure gold. And, and run a moulding of gold all around it, cast four gold rings and attach them to its four feet, two rings on each side. Make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings at the sides of the ark to carry it. It was meant to be portable. These carrying poles must stay inside the rings, never remove them. When the ark is finished, place it inside the place inside it the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant which I will give you. Ten commandments, verse seventeen. Then make the ark's cover a place of atonement. Wow, from pure gold. It must be forty-five inches long and twenty-seven inches wide. Then make two cherubim from hammered gold and place them on the two ends of the atonement. Cover, mold the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover, making it all from one piece of gold. The cherubim will face one another and look down on the atonement cover with their wings spread above it. They will protect it. A couple more verses. Place inside the ark the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant which I will give you. Then put the atonement cover on top of the ark. I will meet you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubim that hover over the ark of the covenant. From there, I will give you my commands of the people of Israel. Verse 8. Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. God's into building, but there's a purpose to the building. 
the purpose wasn't so they've got something nice to carry around. Like, we've got to understand the what, the what, how, why of life. We've got a what, how, why model in church. Our why is heaven to earth. That's the point in the existence of our church. How do we get there? Through presence, health, and influence. Becoming people of presence, people of health, and people of influence. That's not the why. Presence, health, and influence is not the why. Presence is unto something. Health is unto something. Influence is unto something. That something is heaven to earth. If we become people of presence, full big list. If we become healthy people inside, full big list. And if we become influencers, full big list. What's that list? It's heaven to earth. Measurable, practical, and tangible every day of the week, every day, every day, every day. What's the what? Well, the what is church. Church isn't the why. Purpose groups is not the why. It's not even the how. The what actually puts us in a position to allow the how to grow. We teach the how. We experience the how, the presence, the health, the influence. The what is things that we put on. They're just specific actions that enable our how to come to life. And if our how comes to life, guess what's happening? Heaven's coming to earth. So there's a why, how, what all the time. And it's really important, even in your job, to like, what is the what and what's the how and what's the why? Like, what is the why to my life? What's the why to my job? If we don't have a why, it's just purely, it's purely just functional. But the Lord wants to meet you everywhere you go with a specific why, a reason and purpose for why you do what you do. So the what was an ark. The what was an ark. The how was by the instructions and the materials outlaid and the why was so I can live among them. So I can live among them. There was great purpose and great intention with the building. God is about legacy and God is about building. Does that make sense? Another large chunk of scripture 1 Corinthians 3, 6 to 15. We shared this last week. Talking about building. I planted the seed, Paul says. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. For we are God's co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Paul says this in verse 10, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver or costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, the judgment day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. We're all builders. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but just but yet will be saved even though as one escaping through the flames. 
It's intense. It's intense. It's challenging, but it's truth. It's challenging, but it's truth. Paul acknowledged that he was a builder. We are builders. Jesus said that he's going to build his church. That's great. I don't have to worry about that. Awesome. It's tempting. And I go often over here into build mode. But Jesus said that he's building his church. So we've got to constantly remember that he's building his church. I am a builder, but I'm meant to be building something else. We'll get to that. Paul acknowledged that he was a builder. Jesus was building his church. Paul knew as a believer that he was called to co-labor with God to build his kingdom. Like Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Paul's like, yeah, cool. I'm a builder. I'm building. Great. Pastoring, teaching, training, equipping, church planning, miracles, signs and wonders, sending, empowering. Awesome. I'm building people. I'm building teams. I'm leading people to Jesus. I'm doing the work. I'm doing the overt work. I'm doing the ministry. I'm doing it all. Teaching, preaching, love it. Stage, mic, sweet. I'm doing it. I'm church, I'm laying my life down for this gospel and I'm doing the stuff. He's building. He's building. And I say yes to all that. I say yes to the outward expressions of love. I say yes to the things that we need to do. I say yes that we've been created to do great works. I say yes to co-labouring with God with the things that he has in mind, his heart's desire, his will being done and his kingdom coming this side of eternity. I say yes to all of that and yes to the outward expressions and yes to building and yes to preparing and yes to building a life and building a legacy that I can pass on to the next generation that they might walk in things that I only dreamt of, that my ceiling would become their floor. But let's remind ourselves again of why God wanted an ark built. Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. So Paul said in verse 15 of 1 Corinthians, we just read, if it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only one escaping through the flames. But verse 16 is powerful in this building, in this legacy in this preparing, in this God wanting to do something in a life, in every life. And this is the verse, verse 16. So through the flames, then verse 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? It's always been his heart that he would dwell among us. So he had them build something so that he could fill it. And then Jesus came and things got flipped upside down. And that's why he can say that he's building his church because he doesn't want us to build his church. Old Testament, have the people build a sanctuary so I can live among them. New Testament, do you not know that you yourselves 
are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. Are you ready for this one? 1 Peter 2, 4 to 5. Peter jumps on Paul's teaching and what Moses did and the instructions and there's this history of building, this history of pointing, this history of legacy, this history of preparing and building. And Peter says this, 1 Peter 2, 4 to 5, you are, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone. I laughed when Mel was singing that. We haven't done it for years and I felt this whole message in the shower this morning. You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honour. Verse 5. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests through the mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer sacrifices that please God. You are living stones. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. You want to leave a legacy? You want to build something eternal? You want fruit, fruit that will last? Let God build you. Let God build you. Why, was it, why would he want to do this? You are now an ark. We are now arks. He wanted them to build an ark so that he may dwell in them. And we are now a temple of the Holy Spirit. Not trying to build church, but allowing God to build us. So that we can come a greater container to host his presence. We're not just a resting place, we're a dwelling place. And the Lord is interested in doing deep things in us. He's interested in building us. So the great question is not what I can build, but would I allow him to build in me? Peter and Paul both reveal that we are God's temple. We are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. And the plan has not changed from Exodus. As Mitch can jump up. So that I might dwell in them. So that I may dwell in them. He is building us so that we can build for the generations that will come. Let's stand to our feet. Yeah, he's building us. Yeah, thanks, Jesus, that you're building your church. Yeah, thank you, God, that you are building your church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. But then verse 19 says, and I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. Thanks, God. Yeah, thanks, God, that you love the overt stuff. You love the outward expressions of love. You love the preparing. You love the building. You, you, you love that. We're created to do good works. Absolutely. 
But the paradigm of understanding that we are now a temple and that we are now living stones that God is building to become His temple. There's greater measures of presence. There's greater measures of glory. There's greater measures of His Spirit. And we celebrate where we're at while hungering for more. He doesn't want to have a whole bunch of people doing a whole bunch of building who haven't allowed Him to build them. It's it's not even on the same page as how important it is to Him. They're not side by side in comparison. It's not number one is God building in you and then number two, doing the building and preparing. They're they're separate books in importance. And number two is super important. Proving the will of God everywhere we go. Demonstrating the kingdom. But the building you is much more interested in. And building is messy. Building is messy. Because the finished work of the cross stamped a whole bunch of promises in our favour. But the outworking of that and the believing of them all and the seeing them outworked in our life and the applying and the embracing and the believing is messy. And it's not that we have a sinful nature anymore. It's not the nature. It's the neural pathways that we've developed over decades. It's just things that we've done that we thought were right. So the Lord wants to build you and to build you there's deconstruction and I'm not talking about the popular deconstruction floating around. I'm talking about doing some things in you so that He can prepare you for what He's called you to do. Dylan's a great example of that. The call is to impact people's lives and specifically youth pastoring with uh, youth involved. And he was not ready for that 10 years ago or 15 years ago when he was 15. So 18 years ago when he was 15. He wasn't ready for that when he said yes to Jesus. But there's a preparation period. And we can get weird about preparation and not expect anything. But that's not the Lord. We want to celebrate the process and celebrate the preparation because He's building us into a temple, His spiritual temple, so He can fill it with His presence in increasing weight, increasing glory. It's not just, yes, you receive everything you have at salvation and that's it, no more. There's more. There's more. Thank you, God, for more. Yeah, why don't we just say that? Thanks for more. Thanks for more, God. Thanks for more, God. Not, not, 
not I'm not uh, my salvation is being worked out in terms of in out in out no 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 but there's greater dimensions to his presence there's more understanding there's more encounters there's more experiences of who he is there's more truth to be unpacked there's more setting free to happen he's building you so you can contain what he created you to be He has a picture, He's got a will, He's designed you for purpose and He's building you to become that person who can handle it because it's huge, it's enormous. You can't do it without being built into a spiritual house full of His presence. Moses said, this call's way too big. Unless your presence comes, I can't do it. Unless you come with me. God said, my presence will go with you. He's like, cool. Still concerned, but cool. So Jesus, thanks. Yet thanks that you're more interested in building us than building a ministry. I thank you, God, that a whole bunch of living stones that are allowing you to build them into a spiritual temple actually bring their temples to the temple and we just see the construction of a phenomenal phenomenal beautiful group of people called the body of Christ that are living stones being built by God who are preparing who are saying God enlarge my capacity build me so it means we're going to have to deal with stuff But when we deal with stuff, we create a bigger container for more revelation, more encounters, more breakthrough and more presence in Jesus' Name.